from Harare, Zimbabwe to the World Wide Web. You are listening to T-Mac and Cookie Monster on the Radiant Culture Podcast. Podcast. Every week, we lead you in conversation on life, God, and pop culture. Our goal is to get you to ask questions and compare what today's culture is telling us versus what the Bible says. If you're a non-believer, we hope that our conversation will shed more light on what the Christian faith is really about. Never miss an episode by subscribing through our website, www.radiantculture.africa, or you can find us on iTunes. Like our Facebook page, look up Radiant Culture, and follow us on Twitter, at Radiant Culture. If you're on Instagram, it's Radiant underscore culture radiant culture it's life it's truth it's lit stay tuned hey everyone you're listening to radiant culture my name is t-mac and i'm cookie monster and yeah radiant culture you know what we're about if you're listening then you're in the right place (laughs) today we have a really cool guest his name is pastor keith and the topic we're going to be tackling is one that actually me and my friends have really been grappling with of late. And before I get there, I have to do the Christianese word of the day. You bunked last week. I did. I was on assignment. That is my Christianese word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you ever heard people say that? Like I'm assignment. Yeah, I'm on a on assignment. And you're like, what what is the assignment? It's like some top secret thing between them and God. The Lord, like the you Lord can't is, tell the Lord anyone. Is giving you an assignment. Yeah, but like why does that do secret? That's the part that I don't understand. I don't know. Well, I don't come across a lot of people like that. I have. People on assignment. Aren't you on assignment? I mean, Michelle, what's that? Michelle, what is this? Do you have assignment? Pastor Keith, have you ever heard the phrase? Yeah, I've, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah, I kind of speak like they're men in black. Exactly. Right? <laughs> or rather, let me say, have you ever used the word? Yeah, uh, you know the face that people pull. They were like, "This is my divine assignment ah, that I've been okay. sent." Kind of like a Terminator liquidator. <laughs> <laughs> you see, everyone's like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what is the assignment, though? Is it this, could you say it's the same as uh, a purpose, or what is it exactly? I guess it. It refers to something specific mm-hmm. yeah, that yeah. God would have given you yeah. to, to, to do, to do yeah. or that you believe God has given you to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, so can your assignment be, um, my assignment is I'm going to be an ice cream salesman and I'm going to sell you the ice cream, you know, unto the Lord. Or it has to be like, <laughs> I'm going to send you to preach to the nations. Like, what, yeah. what is it? Usually, it seems like these assignments are like big things you yeah, I would actually uh, think an assignment, these are words we're throwing around these days, you know, like to call it an assignment, try to call it this, but let's just say that maybe God has given you something to do. It simplifies things that God has told me to do okay. this. Mm-hmm. When we bring in words like this is my calling, this is my assignment. For this mandate, the Lord has raised me. Yeah. See, we we tend to <laughs> yeah, we, we tend to complicate things. Yeah. When God has called you to do something, He has sent you on an assignment, and what you're supposed to do is make sure that you serve God. Just the same way that these days we are into this is apostle, this is apostle, this, but we just called him Paul back in the day. Yeah. So we tend to let our vocabulary confuse us from what God wants us to be mm. and God wants us to do. Yeah. I don't know what you think about that. Mm. I think 
can be. <laughs> can yeah. But it seems it seems assignment assignments are more linked to what the purposes of God are. Because if we say selling ice cream is an is an assignment, uh, then the next person will be like, "I need to bath because it's the assignment that God has given me, <laughs> and I need to go to bath right now." Should be an assignment. Yeah, in this very cold weather, that that needs yeah, an assignment. <laughs> that needs an assignment. Yeah. Cool. Alright, cool. But actually, before we get too far, mm-hmm. I didn't really introduce Pastor Keith, so I'll let you tell us. A bit about yourself. Um, All right. Yeah, who is Dr. Keith, Pastor Keith? You go by a lot of names. Yeah. yeah. All right, my name is uh, Pastor Keith Mawoyo. I have been a broadcaster for many years. And in fact, that's what I thought my assignment and my mandate was. <laughs> and um, God called me uh, while I was uh, doing that. In fact, I actually used to be a rapper, and then oh, I became a broadcaster. Nice. <laughs> I became a broadcaster. Rappers then, are becoming pastors. Yeah, yeah. Maybe these pastors should become rappers. <laughs> and uh, from there, you know, um, I'm really drawn into bringing out a person's potential, which is great for, 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 for the type of teaching we have today uh, because it's going to tie in there. And just a lot of things. I'm, I'm just the kind of person who's mandated by God to bring out the potential mm-hmm. in a person. Nice. Yeah. I like this guy. Right? <laughs> this guy likes you too. <laughs> cool. Well, Pastor Keith, it's, it's good to have you time in the house. And um, today our topic is, I think, a very crucial one. And yeah. one, one that um, a lot of people seem to be grappling with, right? Which is that, where does my ambition and God's will meet. All right. Does that phrase sound correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Where, where, where do they converge? And we, we find that um, we're living in an era where we're constantly being encouraged to, to dream big. Yeah, to, go for it. To yeah. Go for it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, th- those kinds of phrases, go for it, um, aim high, all of that. And in many, in many ways that ends up translating to material wealth. Yeah, you know, yeah. Dream big, you've got to aim for those six-figure salaries and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. Big projects, right? Um, on the flip side, we have the Bible, Jesus especially. Yeah. Right? He, he doesn't necessarily um, shun the accumulation of wealth. Yes, he doesn't. Yeah. However, a lot of the... Um, scriptures and stories that, especially in the New Testament, that are given about wealth are actually warnings. Actually, they are very disturbing. <laughs> there we go. They are very disturbing. Right. They make you uncomfortable, yeah. <laughs> so so for, for me now, the question is, mm. uh, how, how does that add up? Does, yeah. does this mean that what we're being taught today, what we're being encouraged in the church especially, is contrary to what we're supposed to be aiming for as Christians, according to what Jesus was extolling and what he was encouraging us? Or... Um, is it is there is there a, a misinterpretation of what Jesus was saying? You know what I mean. Yes. So I'd love to hear to hear that from you, um, or, okay. or what what you believe about that. Ooh, I do have a lot to say about that. Okay. I have a lot to say. First of all, I would like to say there are messages that rise out of necessity. For example, if a community has been living in great poverty because of the fact that 
the Bible talks of faith. And when you read the Bible, faith comes by hearing. Uh, what you read in the Bible then becomes a solution to you. And it is possible that when you begin to minister that word and minister that word, you are preaching it from the right place. Why? Because there is a need. And because there is a need, you're pushing it very hard. And then there comes a place where truth uh, begins to lose focus or begins to lose direction simply because you overstretch a truth to emphasize a point. There's the danger there. You could find that what people do, they preach truth, they preach what is correct, but it's just that. It's very easy for the truth to cross the line. And in the end, what we say is, you can have your selfish ambitions before you're born again. And when you're born again, don't worry. We've got a little corner that we can put you. And you can keep those selfish ambitions. We still need them. And that becomes an error. So contentment. You know, I find that to be a very, a very contentious word. Talk, right? yeah, yeah. That, what, what does it actually mean to be content? Can anyone really be content? Yeah, a person can be content. Um, contentment. For me, my definition, you won't find this in the Bible, in the dictionary, Bible. Um, contentment means you are in a place where you are satisfied and happy with the things that you own or possess or experience in life without being agitated and attracting a negative emotion about it. It does not mean that you do not hope for more, but you are safeguarding your heart from the devil taking advantage of negative emotions inside you. Because once you begin to, to meditate about negative emotions, what happens is the enemy finds a breach and the Bible says, do not give place to the devil. You live a much happier life by being content. You know that. If you need something, believe God for it without saying, God, why? Why does this person have this and I don't have this? God walks with you individually. So, contentment is in a, where you reach that place. I'm happy with what I have. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be frustrated. Keep your emotions positive. Doesn't that lead to some level of complacency? Right? Yeah, it, it does lead to complacency if you do not have faith. Faith, the job of faith, and is we are attaining higher and becoming greater. But you notice that when you are in a place of peace, you tend to recognize what God wants you to have easier. That's why God, Jesus would say, peace be still to a person. Why? Because negative emotions distort God's sound wave from reaching your antenna. That's what happens, yeah. Now, turning to the will of God, I love this subject uh, because I want you to know, notice something. Jesus says, Ask anything in my name exactly. and we'll do it. Mm -hmm. Can we hold hands and believe God for a Rolls Royce Phantom right now? Uh. <laughs> he said it. Yeah. Didn't he? I he said it. Want, I want a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Can we do that or can't we do that? Because he said anything mm -hmm. in my name. And I will do it. And I'll do it. You didn't put conditions on no conditions whatsoever. But notice this now. Uh -huh. If we trace back a little bit, remember what we said? He said, my ways are not your ways. And then when you read that, you're like, okay, my way is having a Rolls Royce mm -hmm. phantom. Mm -hmm. And then he says, they're not 
his ways. Very confusing, but here's this. Later in the scripture, he says, it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. Wait a minute. It means the moment you will to do something, you find this is what God wants for my life. Is that really true? It is true. It is true in this. This one is a baby Christian where God says, your thoughts are not my thoughts. But when a person has advanced in Christ, their heart, their desires, they are already aligned with Christ. So when they pray, they receive anything that they want because they have matured in their walk with Christ. So the Bible says the heir as long as he is a child, which means the moment says as long as it means there is no definite period. It's up to a person to grow to a certain level. So you realize that if I pray for a Rolls Royce Phantom, God might not give it to me. Why? Simply because of my stage of development in him. I have not had his word in. I have not been purified. I do not have the fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5 uh, verse 22. But the more I walk with him and the more I live with him and the more I dwell in his presence, his heart and my heart become one. So I find myself naturally attracted to the things that God wants me to have. And it does not mean that he won't give me a Rolls Royce Phantom. It means one day if I wake up and say, you know what, God, I want a Rolls Royce Phantom. And God is like, you, my faithful servant, you love me, you prayed me every day, just check outside and you'll see what I will do for you. The difference with these people is their maturity. Look at Saul. Saul was uh, the first king of Israel. As he was the first king of Israel, I want you to notice that he always bungled when it came to doing God's God's. He always messed it up, especially issues of worship. He tried to take... Um, he tried to, to offer a sacrifice when it wasn't his place to do it. But David comes into the presence of God and eats the shoe bread, which was supposed to be eaten only by priests. Why? Because the man has become mature. And then David says, I just feel a desire to build a tabernacle, a temple for God. And the prophet says, David, all that is in your heart, do it. What's the difference? It means that ambition has died down. And what is now rising inside a person is the oneness of their heart with God's heart. Life is easy if your heart and God's heart are one. So could this be the <clears throat> battle that we, we, we are having, which, um, which is that people want things, people want to accomplish things. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so could the problem then be that we are wanting to accomplish all these great things, so to speak, yeah. without first getting to understand God's will, getting into sync with God's You finished heart. it. That's, that's it all. And let's go to the most important scripture, well, the first scripture that we all knew about the Old Testament, besides uh, for God so loved the world. The next one is Matthew 6.33. Mm -hmm. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You go into a, a fast food uh, place and, and then you're like, may I please have tomato sauce and vinegar? How, how will they respond to you? Like that's all you're ordering? That's all you're ordering. <laughs> to be like, oh, okay. Yeah. okay. But if you take the meal, mm -hmm. it comes complimentary. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's all it is in the kingdom of God. Take the meal. 
and all these things I added unto you. But then, Pastor, why, why do we then automatically assume mm. that the moment someone who's a Christian becomes successful yeah. is because they've been blessed by God? Because I think that's another challenge that yeah, we, yeah. we, we mm. often have, right? That um, T-Max starts doing big things and uh, she gets a Rolls Royce Phantom or she gets mm. a big contract. And I think somebody's about to have a Rolls Royce Phantom <laughs> where I just feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 So we assume that somebody has been blessed, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. The, the, yeah, exactly. The, the assumption that we make, as I always say, the assumption. The assumption that we make <laughs> is that um, God mm-hmm. has done it, mm-hmm. right? Which mm-hmm. means that we're measuring, we're measuring God's blessing on someone by what we see. See outside, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that the potential danger with that could also be that we end up endorsing people yeah. who look successful, who look blessed, yeah. but are not necessarily following God. I had a challenge like that. You mind if I tell a story? Sure. I, t- I tell a lot of stories. Um, I had a story like that. There was this man. I really, really admired this guy. In fact, I, I, I got born again because because I saw that he got born again. He was always somebody that I admired financially. And then I found out he goes to church. So I went to church too. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's how I got to be here. So while I'm there, he had this pretty wife. He has this beautiful family, things like that. And it so happened that by some, he was a very popular figure. By some miracle or some stroke of fate, grace, I don't know, I managed to start working at the same place that he did and found out that he was cheating on his wife. That broke me. I couldn't understand that, God, why are you blessing him if he's cheating on his wife? Mm -hmm. And then the question is, did God bless him? There are natural principles in life. If you work hard, you receive a result. So let's say this person is a really hard worker. And because he's obeyed a natural principle, things, rewards come. And when rewards come, you tend to think that it's God who did it. That's one. This is neutral. Let's talk about a person who really does something evil. For example, I've got many examples. There's this uh, lady who used to come to fellowship uh, at the church that I pastor. Um, she started uh, coming to me and said, Pastor, you know, I need to take your suit to the dry cleaners. And I was like, okay, take him and stuff. And then I realized that her sister had gone to the United Kingdom. And she was dating her sister's husband who was giving her money. You see now. So... You have to take a bold step and say, uh, no, I don't want, I don't want your man. Yeah, that was the, that was the blesser who turns out to be a stressor. <laughs> so in that you realize that no, God is not the source of all things. Right. God is not. As a matter of fact, I think we push, there's one very, very erroneous doctrine that we preach in church. This is controversial. What I'm, what I'm about to say. A lot of people that I say to, <laughs> a lot of people that I say this to, do not agree with me. But we misunderstand the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, yes, but God's will rarely happens. People tend to think that anything that happens, oh, it is God. God's will actually rarely happens on this earth. It only happens when people pray. And why do we pray? 
we pray to give him permission to act on this earth. What? God needs permission? Yes, he does. Why? Because he gave this earth to us and we sold the title deeds to the devil. So it's a principle that he established. And he says, I can't intervene on earth without a human being calling for my intervention. That's why when he discovered that you are taking too long to do it, he gives you dreams. And so like, dude, can't you see this is about to happen? And then you still don't get it. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you tongues then so that you can pray what you don't understand. But I need to intervene here. So if somebody has an accident and they're dead drunk and everybody's like, the Lord has plucked his flower. Is that true? Yeah, that is not true. We, we, we push the sovereignty of God where it isn't. But we, I guess we're di- digressing from our point. We tend to think that everything that happens to a believer is from God. And it, most of it is actually not. Or some of it is not. Yeah. Wow, that, that's... I think that's an important, a very important point. Because uh, one of the questions that I've often ask myself, and I guess it's a difficult question, is that where does the sovereignty of God meet human free will? Right? All right, all right, yeah. Where, where, where do those two meet? But then, I, again, I guess that that's a discussion for another day. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to what we're talking about, which is that we assume that when certain things happen... It's from God. It's from God. Mm. And then we also get people who become successful... And they're just like, oh, God is, God is blessed me. I recently saw a video of a guy um, who, yeah, he, he's, I don't know what he does. He's got lots of money. Yeah. Lots of fancy cars. Oh, and whatever. I just don't see his name. I'm not going to say his name. There's so many occasions, right, that I've, I've I, I, I guess I follow him on Instagram. Yeah. That I've heard him. Is your first problem? <laughs> yeah. Why are you even following him? <laughs> oh, I know what's going on, right? I guess I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and. I've heard this guy say, ah, you know, God is so good. God has blessed me. Mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever. And he's got like four Rolls Royces. But then on the flip side, right, it, you just watch this dude's life and he throws all these weird parties and he's like, yeah. yeah. You know, it just, and I've, got, I've got one sentence to answer yeah. you. So I'm just saying that, so you, you also see things like that. Mm. Now for me, I'm like, of course, man. This, this is, is not, crap, yeah. right? Mm. However, you, for a younger person or a less mature believer who could be watching that they, they could lose it yeah but you just think shut god god will bless me it doesn't really matter how i live mm. Yeah. Mm. as long as i apply certain principles mm. or whatever mm. and justify them so you, you, you were gonna say one sentence uh-huh. god can also start the spelling with a small g so when a person says god has done this even the devil is god to some people <laughs> so the word God is just thrown around, you know, it's God. You know, we used to listen to rappers who call themselves God, you know. So, yeah. So, you know, that we shouldn't be shaken by people. I think capitalism has put a lot of pressure for us. And it's a trap of the devil. Capitalism. There's so much pressure to be successful. But you know what? I know how to be successful. And the godly way. There is a godly way of being successful. Success in God is simple. Bring out what he brought inside you. That's success. That's success. If God invested things in you, gave you five talents, if you bring ten out of them, that's success. Mm -hmm. If God gave you two talents, bring out four, that's success. 
in the end, let's let's boil. Let me t- let me just tell you something that I I read. One of the people that I admire a lot is a Chinese. Um, he he was Chinese. His name was Watchman Nee. Ever heard of him? Yeah. Watchman Nee was one of the greatest. Uh, prayer warriors that I've ever seen and he wrote a lot of books and he was very intelligent he got matired he died at um, he died after 20 years in prison and his death was so sad that no one came to his funeral and things like that but his books if you read his books you feel like he's alive now but he died in 1970 he was he was he was incarcerated for preaching Jesus I had to bring that out because you'd be like what was he doing in jail now there's something that he said that it just doesn't leave me no matter what I do. Mm-hmm. His favorite topic was called dying to self. Yeah. Right. And he said that dying to self is when each part of you that screams for recognition mm-hmm. and that comes and emanates from a place of, of the fall, you know, each part of that must die away so that something new comes. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that. So I started doing a little farming project the other day, and we went and, and we did our planting maize. So we planted. I came back, and I was just checking on how things were doing, and I picked up a little seed. The condition I planted it in was very nice. You know, It was shaped well, but it was broken in the middle. And something was shooting out. And then I just ignored that. And I went back to reading Watchman Nee. And Watchman Nee quoted the scripture that says, Except a seed die. And then it just dawned on me. I saw a dead seed today. But it isn't really dead. Because life was actually coming out of it. In the kingdom of God, that is success. When you die to self. I'm going to show you how to. When you die to self, you let the spiritual inner beauty that God gave you sprout out. Now, here's his story. Watchmeni was always a very intelligent person. So he went to university. So as he went to university, he said, right there, he felt God's calling so strong in his life that he left law school. But... Because he was living underground and Christians couldn't be seen and she could be arrested, he fell sick, terribly sick. He had, he had uh, tuberculosis. So one day he managed to get a few coins and then he went into a coffee shop and he was drinking his coffee and he was sick. Then he bumped into his old law professor. And the old law professor was like, Watchman, how are you? And he's like, I'm all right. And then he sits down and says, Young man, you know what? You are one of the kids with a lot of potential. What happened to you? You know, I really believed in you. And then this, so watch me, he actually states the name of the professor right. in the book. So he, he says that was the most embarrassing day of his life. He got so embarrassed, but he had to hold on to his faith. He ends his story there. But then when I was going to work the other day, I started thinking, what did he say the name of his professor was? I tried to think the name of the professor. What? I don't remember it. But I remember the name of Watchman Nee. Because the professor did not die to self. So when you do not die to self, you're not remembered. But when you let the inner beauty come out, Watchman Nee on that day was probably hungry. He felt like it was just another ordinary day. But today, 
I remember him and I don't remember the education, the doctorates that this guy had. In our lives, we are afraid of dying to self. Dying to self is denying yourself. Denying yourself is saying no to me. Each and every day you're saying no to yourself, no to yourself. You will find out that somehow God works it out and then he meets you at the end of the road and he is taking you to a greater place. And when he takes you to a greater place, you look back and you're like, everything makes sense now. Right. We understand life not through a windscreen, but through a rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. When you look at the things you've encountered, you realize, all right, this is what God is saying. In the end, die to self and let the glory of God sprout out. That is success in the kingdom of God. Wow. Hmm. Uh, Did I just make my voice sad? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I I, I, I do do get it. But then at the same time, we're also told that, you know, God has given us, like you said, talents and Mm. passions and things that we naturally gravitate towards. So I think the average Christian isn't sure whether, okay, my passion is to sing, right? Mm. For example. Yeah. Um, I'm passionate to sing and have a good voice. Does it mean that I must now go to idols mm. or I must now become a gospel singer or like I don't know? We we not we just never know. Like, or is it just for me to use in my local church, church yeah. and bless the congregation? Or does it mean I must become the light on the top of the hill and like be a superstar? Because mm. we just don't know how to balance our passions and our natural giftings. With, okay, what is God actually, what does he actually want to do with me? I'm going to answer you by telling you something that sounds a little tough, but it isn't. I promise you it isn't. The Christian, a Christian should never, ever be confused in their lives. Why? Confusion is a sign that your fellowship with God and your maturity and growth in him is not yet clear. Mm-hmm. The more you spend time with God and maybe we're just throwing a vague thing and saying growing God what do we mean mm-hmm. when we say growing God we mean be accustomed to hearing him that means you're spending time in reading the scriptures you're spending time praying you're spending time living a life that gives him glory on a micro level mm-hmm. you're not trying to do something great but there reaches a point where inside you you know what to do if we try to make a garment that fits everybody and say, no, 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 don't you use your gift for this and that, mm-hmm. we, 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 we mess up the flow of God's will. Mm-hmm. And somehow we trickle into the law of Moses mm-hmm. because we try to cut out a one-size-fits-all thing. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Every Christian has got the ability to hear God. Now, some people are just like, I don't know if it was me thinking or it was, but let's just not simple. Let's just not complicate and say, God will come and speak to you like this. Just know that when he speaks, you will know it. How do you know it? Because when you read the Bible a lot, you get accustomed to hearing his voice. So when he speaks inside you, it kind of sounds like the voice you hear every day when you read the Bible. Mm -hmm. So you know it's him. Our problem as a church, as that church, is always one. We don't want to grow. We don't want to grow. We want to stay baby Christians. We want to stay in the cot bed. And with our little nursery sucking our thumbs, with our little blankie, we don't want to 
to just do crazy things. Can I say something just random? There was a time where I felt God lead me to fast for a year. <laughs> a number of years ago. And you know what? I did it. The person who fought against me and discouraged me the most was a Christian. And this is what they said. They said, you're overdoing it. One. And if you're overdoing it, uh, the problem is, uh, why would you want to complicate your life like that? But it's my personal decision to know God more. There is no point where you can't know God more. Of course, there are wrong ways of doing it. You start feeling like I'm super holy, and then you don't read the Bible anymore, and you are standing on top of a mountain top. That's how somebody came back with the Quran and said, this is what God is saying, because they did that. But if you have the Word of God, and you're just dedicating your life to seeking the Lord, Christians don't want to venture into uncharted spiritual territory. You know, the average Christian has trouble listening to a sermon. They go to church, they listen to it being preached, but the Christian who actually goes and says, I want to buy this, would normally buy a motivational sermon to tell them how to be rich in four days and how to, things like that. But nobody goes and says, this word really blessed me. I'm going to buy it and listen to it. There was a time I, I, bought, I bought messages from a preacher and I listened to that message 75 times. Listening, listening, in, in the, and I'm talking in a week. Because the message is so powerful and it's so moving. We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to stay cool. Uh, we don't want to be too much out of the world because you know, if Jesus rejects me, I, wanna, I want the whole world to keep loving me. The, we don't want to embrace the distinction. I think that's what I can say. Embrace the distinction. Yeah. Wow. That that's. I think that's a very. Um. A very unique phrase, mm. right? Embracing mm. the distinction, and just wanting to 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 reiterate some of the things that you were, you were saying there, <clears throat> or at least the heart of what you're saying, which is mm. that we have to learn. To yearn for God. Yeah, right? yeah. To learn to yearn. I like that. Right. You guys are just throwing it out. <laughs> <laughs> and to and and to to grow to grow in God and to desire to grow in God. And to mm. be honest, you know, I remember when I was younger and beginning this 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 Christian journey, there was a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm. I, you know, the mm. way we used to get taught. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of that growing mm. in God mm. and going through this crazy fast we need to do all of that yeah and i will be honest and say that you know as you grow older i don't know if it's, if it's that that's because the world is changing meaning that even the church itself it follows is, suit yeah you know, mm. what i'm trying to say mm. or if it's something else i don't know but more you know you, you hear those kinds of messages less and less mm. it's now more to do with uh, other things you know mm. and even if you listen to some of the top preachers a lot of it is very motivational. Yeah. And of course, there is a place for that, but um, it's becoming rare, which is where I think the confusion is coming from. Um, and going back to our topic for today, that the confusion is, is that people are listening to the motivational stuff, even the people that, the icons that we, mm. we have, the people that are portrayed as the, as the model Christians. Yeah. It's often the, the wealthy guys, the guys mm. that are doing well in the mm. world, the mm. guys, that, you know, the cool guys. Yeah. Um, and rarely is it the guys that are, in fact, I'll tell you the story. Yeah. Uh, I went to a church. I've got, a, I was in the States. I've got a friend who's a pastor in a church there. And he gave this example, which I thought was pretty awesome. Right. And, uh, he spoke about, a, there's a popular guy who I think plays football in the States 
and um, American football who became a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that dude. Mm. And it's like, if that, the, if that dude were to come in, into church, everybody would be like, wow! And you probably mm. may let him preach that dude yeah. because yeah. he's so famous, right? Mm. And yes, there's another girl in the church who had just come back from a mission, it's a mission trip to China. Yeah. But she's just like a random, like a random chick. She's just like, yeah. Right? And everyone's like, oh, wow, she's back. Wow, well done. Right? Mm. And so, so he was like, how come for this person who's just come back from a very dangerous mission? Mission. Right? And Nobody's they were out there spreading the gospel. Yeah. We just give like this nervous. Mm. Mm. Um, nah, you're overdoing it. But yeah, we see you. Mm-hmm. And yet, if, some, if we were to hear that Justin Bieber, for example, mm. is not a Christian, everybody would go crazy. Yeah. So, but, but the point being that maybe it's also because of the way we view success, mm. right? Which is that we think that if someone is famous, if someone is popular, if they're cool, they're doing all these great things, then I guess they are a more uh, influential Christian. Christian yeah. Whereas someone like Watchmen Nee, yeah. right? You'd probably mm. just think of the random, mm. random dude, mm. what impact yeah. is going to make. So that, does that mean that we need to go back to redefining Christianity, yeah. Success? Yeah, we need to, yeah, we need to. And the devil uses many methods. If you have a truth, let's say God has called you to preach. Let's let's preach. Uh, uh, let's talk about a less controversial truth: holiness. Holiness is great. We love holiness. If God calls you to preach holiness, do you know what the devil will do? He will stop you from preaching it. Fight you. But if you prevail against him, he lets you preach it too much to such an extent that you underestimate other truths. So, you end up moving from holiness to legalism. Mm -hmm. So, believe it or not, I actually used to have an uncle of mine who believed that people should not plant flowers because this world is passing away. You see? It kind of starts getting weird. So, you see, the the motivational Christianity maybe was needed for a a, a society where people's dreams and self-esteem were so broken that and the, and the power of the gospel was really needed to change this but then after that we kind of say but this is a cool place to preach let's just keep preaching this and running with it and running with it all truth has the power to become heresy if it is preached out of proportion this is where we are as the church i do not cancel that message and say it is not a message from god but i cancel the proportion in which it is preached in relation to other truths. Mm-hmm. That's good. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, is, this topic is really broad. Very broad, yeah. yeah mm. It's something we all grapple with, like, okay, my desires, my ambition versus God's will. Um, I was having a conversation with some friends today, and obviously someone brought up um, Psalm 37. Yeah. Yes, the God will give you the desires of your heart. Um, basically, but it's dependent upon actually. Let me just get the word. Delight yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yes, delight yourself in the Lord, and you and give. shall give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Commit your way to the Lord. Mm. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. So we just kind of were like, okay, what does that delight word mean, though? Like, what is that? Wow. Because it mm. seems like if you're really gonna like 
pressing and focusing on God. It's more like you have to fast and mm. you have to be locked in prayer. Mm. It, it doesn't mm. seem like it's delightful at all. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. seem mm. like it's a fulfilling process. But that's what we're being called to do. But yeah, just like what, what does it mean delight. to delight yourself mm. in the Lord? To delight is to embrace delight. I'm just being funny. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to delight yourself in, in the Lord is what we talked about before. Is reaching a point where you've grown in him so much that whenever he comes around, you are so excited about it. There is a pain that, that is there when you're beginning to pray, when you're getting the hang of it. It's very painful. But there is a point where you can reach where everybody's just, you just want people, just go. I want to be with God. Mm-hmm. There, you've reached the delight point. Mm-hmm. When you're reading uh, the Bible, it becomes strenuous in the first days. And you're reading about Joseph did that and things like that. But then there's a point where your spirit is just celebrating. You're just in a place where, you know what? I'm so happy. David the Bible says, danced until he rent his clothes. And you know what? I actually looked at the fabric there. I was like, it takes a lot to rent those clothes. It takes a lot to rent those clothes. And why was he so happy? Because the ark of the Lord had come from the Philistine camp to Israel. God didn't do anything for him. He hadn't seen anything. But it was just like, ah, this is God. And he's dancing like that. And what happens in the end? That's how you get the desires of your heart. It means that you've matured like we said before, and your heart and God's heart are one. Delight yourself in the Lord and you give you, and people tend to not quote the delight yourself. God said, you give me the desires of my heart. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. Do it, Lord. That's how we pray these days. And God will be like, no, but that's not the whole, that's not the whole scripture. There is a process to it. The more you get close to God, I believe that there is no prayer of yours that cannot be answered. There is no desire that, that is not met. It becomes impossible because your heart is the God kind of heart, you know. So God can just bless you with, I don't know, diamond teeth if you want them. Because your heart is too close. But you wouldn't even want them. You, you, you understand the, the paradox there that you wouldn't even want them because your heart is so in tune with him. God begins to find a way to just, just give you what you want. You don't really want the things the way you would have wanted them before. Right. Yeah. I call it the God trick. God can trick you. Because, you know, I was so... Back in the day, I didn't want to, to win souls. I was so scared of winning souls. But then God called me into ministry. And I began to be so passionate for souls and pray about them. And I was like, you know what? This is just one big trick. I never wanted. God actually planted something in my heart. And when he planted that thing in my heart, he's using that heart due to that thing he planted to get me to pray all the time for this. Mm -hmm. So when you mature in Christ, God actually takes out the wrong heart that wants things that are necessary and plants a new heart in you. Mm -hmm. So you want the right things but even when you're in the middle of wanting the right things the things that other people would clamor for and cut their wrists for and pray that god gives them you have them easily because god just says ah you need an iphone get one why because your heart is filled with saving souls your heart is just filled it, things just begin to happen naturally in your life actually a lot of people miss interpret scripture yeah. Read it, it says, God will give you the desires of your heart, not God will give you what you desire. Yeah, the, the desires 
of your heart. And and where did the heart come from? He gave you the heart. So it just creates one big paradox. And that's why it starts with delight in the Lord and give you the desire. Of your heart. Yeah. Could it also be that there's a fear in, in many people? That the, the fear is, I'm this very driven, ambitious person who wants to do all these big things, right? If I get and too the caught. moment I start getting too serious about uh, this pursuing God stuff, I just feel like God is going to take away those dreams, or God is going to take yeah. those things. You know what I'm saying? Like I'll, be, I'll be very honest. There, yeah. there was a time when I, when I actually had that fear, where I was just like, shut I looked around me, I looked at some of the people that, I, I tried to look and say, who, who are the successful Christians, right? By, and my, I, definition. by my definition. Yes, exactly. Mm. Uh, we wish I was very worldly. Uh, but, but the point for me was like, I, I, I want to, the books I was reading, the, the people I used to kind of look up to, or like, you know, guys mm. that I thought were successful by, mm. by the world standards. Mm. And then I was just thinking, Sha. If, if now I start asking God to give me the desires of his heart, whatever, then God will be like, hey, no I want you know I mean? God will be like, yeah. You are going to become a missionary in Africa. Yes. Mm. And you're scared of it. I want to become a monk. I want to become a kind of guy who's just like, you know hey, you'd be amazed where that, that, that image comes from. Yeah. Because I used to have that fear also. Uh-huh. That image comes from Hollywood, believe it or not. Hollywood gives us our first impression of God before we encounter him in Sunday school. God is depicted as this person who is moody, who can just strike you by lightning any day. And he likes, he takes pleasure in destroying people. That's the picture we have. When I, was, when I got born again, I used to trust Jesus, but hey, God, no. <laughs> For real. Because of the way that God was, was portrayed. People do not have this God knows what makes me tick. God knows how he built me. So you have a choice. Choose to remain a seed or let the stalk grow out of you and grow many other seeds. God is what my pastor calls the extraordinary strategist. He is he's the strategist. He knows exactly how he built the car. So I'll give you an, a, a little example that happened. I was, there was a time in which I had a Mitsubishi. Um, my car had problems. I'm forgetting what kind of problem it had then. So I'd call these different mechanics and they would try to fix it and nothing was changing. Mm-hmm. And then I met a guy. I saw his, on his pocket uh, there was the, the logo of Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. And then I started complaining, are you guys make cars that don't function well? Mm-hmm. Then he's like, no, we make cars that function well. And I'm like, come to my house. And he comes to my house and then... It took him 30 minutes. The car was up and running. And then he told me, for this car, never drive it here, 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 here. And this is how you take care of this, 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 this. Live three more years with that car. And it's a car that I had written off. Why? Because the manufacturer knows how it works. And the manufacturer makes sure that his device gains contentment and joy from being used. That's where we were taught wrong. We think that what if God made me, created me to go to Somalia right in the middle of Mogadishu yeah. holding my Bible, preaching against Al-Shabaab militants. Yeah. But I've sent you, my son to preach the gospel to Boko Haram in my Duguri. No. 
That's not how God how God does it. When God does something inside you, you already knew it, but God just brings the pieces together. I, for one, really believed that God called me to be a hip-hop artist. I really believed that. Not that God called me. I believed that I was supposed to be that. And then later, I let go of that thing. I was like, no, this is not me. And then I started writing books, you know, writing a lot of stuff. And I believe, no, now I get it. God called me to be an author. And then I wrote many poems and things like that. And then, no, this is not it. I started public speaking. I started speaking. I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. In the end, I found that it was all wrong. I started spending time with God. And God just told me, simple. I called you to use words to change the lives of people. I am your manufacturer. I know what I did. So in the end, you realize that these were branches of a gift I was obsessing over. And finding God was finding the root of the gift. When you find God, you naturally find yourself. Here's what Peter says. God says, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? Peter found Jesus. He's like, you are the son of God. The moment you define God in your life, he defines you by saying, Simon Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Find him, and you find in the process, you have found yourself. That's how it is. Thank you so much, Pastor Keith. Well, this this has been good. We've got a lot to think about and to pray about, I guess. You know, and I think it's important for us to, to just really ask ourselves those those important deep questions uh, because, um, yeah, Pastor Keith has really raised a lot of important points and I think this discussion has been very good. So thank you guys for listening. I'm Cookie Monster. And I'm T-Mac. All right, we're out. God bless. Peace. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Radiant Culture Podcast. If you want to make a contribution, make a suggestion, or have a request, you can get in touch with us via email on radiantatthehub.co.zw or inbox us on Facebook and Twitter. Look out for the next episode and remember to share this one with everybody you know. God bless. It's hot. It's fresh. It's uncut. Hashtag Real Talk on the Radiant Culture Podcast.